Hello and welcome to At Home With, a podcast from the residential business at Knight Frank. At Home With offers a glimpse inside the lives of some of the world's foremost property experts and their clients. And every week you'll be hearing conversations with interesting people from across the world about how they made it to where they are today, how they found their dream homes and how we can help you find yours. I'm your host, journalist and social media executive at Knight Frank, Rebecca Hills. Today, I'm joined by Jack Harris, an associate in our international residential team. Jack and I had such a wonderful conversation about everything from how he mentors young people looking to get into both Cambridge and the wider property industry, where it's best to invest in the south of France, and why looking after his mental health is of paramount importance to him. Jack joined Knight Frank back in 2013 after graduating from Cambridge with a degree in land economy. With a focus on the French market, Jack also assists in the management of nine Knight Frank associate offices across the south of France. With a growing social media following and some of the most exciting instructions to his name, he's definitely one to watch. Jack, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the podcast. Thank you so much. Really good to be here and um, really good to be talking. Very excited for this. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Getting getting a recording in just before we go back into lockdown again. How have you found the last few months and how are you feeling about going back into lockdown tomorrow? It's, um, I'm not feeling particularly positive about the prospect of being sort of bolted up in home. But um, if I learned anything from the last um, sort of lockdown of a few months ago, it's that I can be relatively resilient and I can sort of do what I do from, from anywhere, whether it's in the office or from home. Um, so whilst I'm not particularly looking forward to it, I'm sure we'll be able to get through it and, and try and get some positives out of it. So um, so there we go. Um, a slightly different experience from my last lockdown because my last lockdown I was in London um, and I've now moved. So um, it'll be interesting to see what life is like in lockdown out of London. So yeah, watch this space. Mm, definitely. Have you moved? Have you moved to the countryside then or have you stayed kind of on the outskirts of London? I have moved um, to Cambridge. Um, I was at university here, so it's been quite nice to re-explore and sort of um, find out a little bit of, about the areas that I'd been to before and actually more importantly explore those areas just out, outside of the sort of student student walk and um and re-explore so it's been great and being able to to see things and and sort of reminisce and also explore and find new places um with a sort of bit of countryside in there as well so it's, it's lovely Mm, amazing yeah Cambridge absolutely love Cambridge I'm from uh, literally on the border of Essex and Cambridge and um, always love going there so that's amazing I think that would probably be a nicer experience than being being in London with everything being so chaotic here at the moment and how have you found um, obviously working in international property how have you found the markets faring over the last few months and obviously with France going into lockdown now how's, what's that experience like and how is how do you think it's going to be over the next couple of months uh, it's I mean in short we are sort of looking at um, having had a particularly busy summer period, which was great. Um, France, like the UK, went into lockdown earlier in the year. France came out of lockdown a little earlier on. Um, and as a result, we saw a bit of a surge of activity um, late spring and into the summer that lasted really until ultimately September when schools started to go back. So we've been really quite lucky in how busy we have been able to keep. Um, and it's been a lot of demand coming from 
within France, within Europe, um, quite a few Brits still looking in France, um, despite some of the travel restrictions that were imposed. Um, unfortunately, some nationalities haven't been players in the market as much as they had been historically. So we haven't seen as many Americans, for example, um, but there's such a great resilience, sort of continued demand. Um, and hopefully the lockdown that happens in France at the moment, at a time that is typically slightly quieter in France anyway, at least in the markets that I cover, um, this is a good time for us to sort of take stock and prepare for 2021 and hopefully no surprises there. Yeah, definitely. It's good to hear that the markets have been have been doing so well despite everything else. And I'm sure we'll go on to chat about that later on in our conversation as well when we get more into the property side of things. But to begin the, the podcast, I'd like to take things back to the start and find out a little bit more about how you got into a career in property in the first place. As I mentioned in your introduction, you did a degree in land economy. So was getting into property always the plan for you? It's a very good question. Uh, and in short, it was something that in my heart, I've always wanted to do, but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily something that my sort of career path was going towards. When I was at school, I was studying all of the things one might study if you wanted to go into medicine, and even got as far as as almost clicking the send button on my application to do medicine. Um, but I took a step back and thought, actually, what do I want to do? I've always enjoyed real estate and the sort of economic aspects of it and things like that. Um, and as a result, went to and uh, applied and, and was fortunate to um, be accepted into Cambridge and did land economy there, which is a really great degree, really enjoyed it um, and came out of that relatively well versed and ready for for the big bad world um my sort of historic um leaning on property was my um my father is a for well a project manager come builder i have for as many summers as i can remember worked on building sites and been involved in those sort of things so it's sort of ingrained in me property and i just love the property aspect of it and, and I think really that something that is often overlooked people assume you can get into property and, and not necessarily like property um, it's such an important aspect and if you can deal with properties that you yourself aspire to live in love flicking through the details of get really excited when you're sort of dealing with properties um, it's essential and, and really it makes every day enjoyable. Mm, definitely you've got to have that that passion for it and for you was it always residential that you wanted to get into and specifically international or did you kind of go into it thinking I just want to be in property but I'm not quite sure what exactly I want to do with it yet um, I knew that I wanted to to be in the residential sphere and I think that was slightly and I think probably a misconception of myself initially that residential was perhaps more personal than commercial um, I think actually in my experience now that's not necessarily the case but I but I knew I wanted to do residential international for me was was an arena that was very exciting it wasn't necessarily something I knew much about but it certainly had that sort of glamorous factor that I was drawn towards um, but I was just hungry to get into in, into property in any way I could so um, the fact that I landed straight into the French team in the international department um, was very fortuitous I, I certainly wasn't expecting to, to land in that sort of role. 
Mm, and and also, did you have any any experience of France at all? Did you go into it knowing much about the market, or was it a matter of um, of learning it on the job and working it out as you went along, and maybe learning a bit of the language and that sort of thing? Uh, a lot of it was learning as I went along. I went into it as a as a fresh faced youngster who who was really looking for um, someone and some sort of some form of guidance in shaping my career. Um, I was very fortunate to, to come under the wing of um, Mark Harvey, who was uh, head and well, head and is head of the French team and now head of the international department. Um, and he was able to, to develop um, my role in a way that I could both get to grips with France, but also the wider sort of international sphere. Um, so France for me was somewhere that I'd holidayed in the past, had a great affinity to, I'd skied there, I'd gone on holidays to the south of France, um, but a lot of it was learning on the job, and it's a lot easier if you know the areas already, um, but you know, it can be done that you, that you pick things up as you go, it just might be a little slower. Um, and to touch on France a little bit more generally, where would you say, obviously, if somebody was coming to the market and was looking to buy in, say, the south of France, but didn't know a huge amount about the area, where would you be looking to invest or, or look at at the moment? Where are particularly great places in France to be looking at at the moment? It's a difficult question because France offers such a high number of and, and, and a great sort of uh, selection of, of different lifestyles of different locations and it, and it offers a huge amount of, of different properties ultimately um, whether you're looking for something closer to the water whether you're looking for city living whether you're looking for something up in the mountains it's typically lifestyle driven we do of course deal with investment purchases at the moment but really if someone comes to me saying i want to buy something in france more often than not, they know exactly where they want to be, not necessarily to the exact village, but uh, they, they're able to say, I want to be within however many minutes of one airport, or they want to be close to that ski run, or they want to be within five minutes of an international school or whatever else it might be. So generally we work as closely with buyers as we can to help them realize number one, what they might want if they don't know already um, and also to work with them once they do identify the area they want to be in making sure that they're making the right decision about what they're buying and that's where we can pull together our local and international knowledge and tie that in with our research and really offer people advice that is um, consistent and accurate. Mm, yeah definitely and and obviously as I mentioned in your introduction we you work alongside some of our associate officers in, in the south of France and, and across the region. And do you find that being able to work with those officers gives you that more insider knowledge, obviously working, and obviously from now Cambridge, but London and, and having to, always, you can't really immerse yourself in it in the same way that you could do, say, if you, you worked in a residential office in the UK. Do you find that then working with those residential officers in, in the south of France allows you to have that almost immersive experience secondhand? In short, yes, it's absolutely paramount. I need to be in regular contact with our local associates um, and I speak with them as regularly as I can, whether that's by email, phone or WhatsApp or any other sort of channel. Um, 
it might be I want to have the inside scoop I want to know what's going on and and vice versa they want to know what's going on in the wild in the in the wider world they want to know um, what's going on in other international markets and you know what trends they should be looking out for and things like that um, obviously lockdown measures have have made this even more important uh, normally I was in France seeing our associates as regularly as I could be um, so it's been a, it's been quite a strange um, sort of nine months almost um, whereby I haven't seen associates who I was used to seeing pretty frequently so uh, I'm looking forward to getting back out to France and catching up properly with our associates in the not too distant future I hope. Yeah fingers crossed we can we can start traveling a little bit more normally again soon and if somebody was looking at, at your career and and thought I would love to be getting into international property obviously it's I can imagine it's quite a, a glamorous looking profession a lot of people probably come to you and say I would love to be doing something similar what advice would you would you give to them on how to get into it and what are the the top tips you have for being successful in this market i get approached by quite a lot of people through social media channels and other channels as well um people saying i'm interested in getting into the international sphere i think a lot of people look at it as a particularly glamorous part which which it is in part it's a very exciting and very sort of aspirational part of the market so i'm, I'm very lucky but i what i do stress to them is that one has to be patient it's not necessarily falling into international which i was very fortunate to have done um but i think you need to be prepared to put a lot of groundwork and and it's really about showing your passion for property something that you and i had touched on earlier um putting in the hard graft and i think something that i wasn't necessarily expecting rightly or wrongly is you need to be very patient it's not something that is necessarily going to fall on your lap right away lots of people jump between jobs early in their career trying to find the right thing to do so being patient finding out what you enjoy doing and the international aspect of it is very exciting but there are a huge number of other aspects of working at night frank and, and just generally working in the residential industry or real estate industry as a whole that are hugely exciting so um, if you're passionate about property get stuck in go and work for a local agency um, or just try and follow the market and try and place yourself as somebody who is passionate and someone who they really need to employ and um, and with any luck you'll um, you'll work your way up and uh, get to where you want to be Mm, absolutely and I think it is ultimately that passion that will make you successful but you touched there on on patience and this is something that's come up a lot in people that we've spoken to on this podcast who work in international property is that that transactions take a little bit longer when you're working across different countries and was that patience something that you had to almost did you have any instance where you thought at the beginning perhaps that you didn't quite want to do that be as patient as you had to be did you find it quite a struggle at the start to to be as patient as you need to be with working on across different nations and doing that sort of thing definitely um i would have liked to have considered myself as quite a patient person anyway um and you know i'm used to sort of working hard and um and and not necessarily getting results straight away um if you put in the groundwork more often than not the results follow um not that you should expect that but um it normally occurs 
I came into it expecting that it would be patient and it was and it was very much stressed to me during my interview that you know patience really is a very important aspect of the role um to which I said of course I'm patient you know absolutely that's something I am so um but but when I came into the role I wasn't necessarily expecting that people would take quite as long to make the decisions they make um france and um and the sort of associated bureaucracy um within the transactional process means that it is a lot slower the, than it is in the uk so um there are aspects of it where you know if i if i try to push certain aspects of a transaction i just know it will be met re with resilience um, but again that's taken a lot of experience to learn when to push when not to push um but that patient element is something that I really struggled with. And I think it's something that as a generation, um, and I'm not sure whether I can still call myself the younger generation, but as a generation, we're not used to, uh, we're, we're sort of inclined to, to having sort of instantaneous gratification and results. Um, and that's something that I've definitely had to become accustomed to um, because ultimately, it doesn't work and and it's very easy to become very wrapped up in your sort of immediate surroundings and realize actually you haven't done a deal for x number of weeks when actually it can take weeks and months and years to um to get these deals along the line and across the line so um patience is a virtue it does pay off but um it's not an easy lesson to learn on the job mm, yeah it's all about managing expectations and as you said there it's with sales it tends to be a lot of the time it is about on paper about those numbers about making these deals and i suppose as you said with with a society that is so focused on instant gratification with things like social media i can imagine that's that can be quite hard sometimes and touching on social media that you you've mentioned it a couple of times and you're quite prolific on social media how why did you decide that you were going to really make an effort to to make social media a big part of your career and how you marketed your properties um, I, I see I, the properties that I deal with in France and, and generally internationally, they're hugely aspirational and they're hugely ultimately image driven. Um, and there are various platforms that I like to use. I mean, the main one really is is Instagram, where you can engage with people, but in a way that is not necessarily content driven by sort of words, but content driven by images um, and I'm fortunate to be the listing agent for a lot of very beautiful properties which have great images. Um, I wanted to get involved because it's 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 I think it's going to be a really important and probably um, a paramount and maybe in due course the main way that agents start to advertise properties. I know sometimes that um, I will get inquiries for for properties that i post then i'll get them i'll get many more via instagram than i might through other channels um it's all about picking picking your your channels and making sure you go for it but i really enjoy it i really enjoy posting i really enjoy engaging with the people who reach out to me i've got some really good leads from it both sort of 
commercially for the business, but it's been great to connect with people from the same industry, people wanting to get into the industry and people from sort of connected industries, whether it's interior designers or whether it's builders or architects and, and the like. So it's a great way of putting yourself out there um, and you can control how well and how much you do of it. So if you only want to post once in a blue moon, you, you know, you're very welcome to. Um, if you want to post very frequently, then you can do. You can really control your own marketing, both of yourself and, and of the properties. Mm, amazing. And it's great that you've managed to, to have inquiries and, and leads and almost business generated as a result of it, but you've also been able to have that almost community aspect of it. And I suppose with, with an industry like property, I think a lot of the time people would forget that it's, it's about community and it's, it's about the connection that you have with people. And is that for you probably one of the more important parts of, of working in the industry? Is it that connection that you have with people and, and making sure that you're almost serving their interests in as much as you want to post on Instagram and you enjoy it and it's a passion? For you, is it also about that community aspect of it and making sure that you're connecting with not necessarily just the right people, but also people who might be interested in your content or just to have conversation and a connection with them definitely you know it's it's great to post and it's great to get an inquiry for that property um and it's great to hear from buyers um don't get me wrong the 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 main reason i do it is is to post something and hopefully to engage with people who one day will be looking to purchase or, or to sell their property via me or via night frank as a whole um but reaching out and connecting with other industries is as important um, and getting referrals from these other industries um, is again I think it's such an essential part you know property is intrinsically a personal and it's a people industry and without those connections uh, it, it's very difficult to do well if you're if you're not putting yourself out there and people aren't recognizing you um, then it's something that normally um, needs to be addressed. Um, I think it's definitely worth biting the bullet and, and putting yourself out there and um, hopefully you will get the returns that you um, put into it as well. Mm, absolutely. And is there a particular experience with a, with a client or, or with someone that you've connected with on social media that particularly sticks in your head? Um, I, I posted a property actually during um, during late spring of this year. It was a lovely property in southwest France in a department called the Gers region. Um, I posted it online uh, onto um, my Instagram, and within uh, within twenty minutes, I think, of posting it, had an inquiry. Um, that buyer was on a plane within forty eight hours. And, um, and purchased the property on that trip. Um, and now it's completed, they're in, they're loving it. Um, so that's a, a great, and I, and I wish it was that easy to post and get an inquiry within, uh, within 20 minutes, but, um, but it's, it's another tool and it's worth, it's worth making the most of because you can engage with people so quickly and it's a very personal way of engaging with people. Um, so that was a great success and hopefully, um, you know, long may these, those continue. 
Yeah, amazing. That's such an exciting thing to have happened. And I mean, just from a social media perspective, working in that team, that's a great thing for us to hear. <laughs> um, and so you've yeah. also spoken to me um, before we started recording about how you uh, mentor people outside of Night Frank. And obviously we link that in with you saying there that it's all about the human connection, having those experiences. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about how you mentor people and what that involves? Absolutely. I think, I mean, I think a lot of people at Night Frank who are on social media channels, whether it's Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever else it might be, I'm sure people get reached out to on those channels to say, I'm looking to get stuck in, you know, what advice can you give me? Um, I love hearing from people um, and helping them and giving them advice wherever I can. So, you know, I love, I love speaking to people who are eager to get onto the internship scheme and, and looking to sort of pursue a career in property um, a lot of well I say a lot a few of my friends who I was at university now have gone on to be involved in education um, both at sort of secondary level and also at university level um, so very fortunate with one of my friends who works in university admissions in East London um, and a lot of the, the children at these schools are on um, on, on free meals um, and they're sort of not necessarily first uh, first not their first language is not necessarily English um, a lot of these people their parents haven't been to university before and working with them to help them apply for universities to get into real estate um, I work with a lot of these people and it's it's quite extraordinary how talented, how hardworking um, they are and um, work with them in their Oxbridge applications. And it's amazing. And I, and I say amazing, it's not necessarily so surprising given how talented they are, but, um, but working with them and getting them into Oxbridge and, and setting them up for a future that perhaps they might not have um, dreamt of before. So I love doing that, N not necessarily just for property and real estate. I, of course, I love helping people get into those sort of careers. But I think setting people up for working careers as a whole and getting stuck into a, a real career um, I, I sort of enjoy that challenge as well. But no, that's that's amazing. That's so inspiring. And I think that's really important for people to talk about as well, because I think, especially with the property industry, it can be seen quite often as, as quite an elitist profession. It tends to be you've gone to a particular school or your, your parents are in property or that sort of thing. And there, there does seem to be a kind of yeah elitism attached to the industry. So that's, that's amazing to hear. Was it something that you've always been passionate about doing this sort of thing, like kind of helping people and mentoring? Or was it something that you thought of when you, went into the industry and noticed something about it that needed to change oh God, that's a very difficult question i mean i think i've always liked helping people it, it previously whether it's at school and university and things like that i've always liked mentoring i've always liked that sort of leadership aspect of it and that's not to say i like telling people what to do um but i like um helping people achieve their potential, I guess, is the best way of, of putting it without wanting to sound um, too pompous. But um, no, I, I love doing it. It's not something that I came into property to do, because I think you're right, there is, a, there is an underlying issue occasionally in the property industry that there is a sort of a question of who you know rather than what you know. Um, 
companies like Knight Frank are doing a huge amount of work to to make sure that that's not the case, and and you know making sure that we employ the most talented people. Um, and it's been great to um, to see the efforts and initiatives that they've put into place um, to make sure that you know we really keep diverse and make sure that um, we're we're getting the right and the best people in. Mm, definitely, I completely agree. I think it's it's such an important thing to do, and as you said, Mike Frank are doing amazing things with it. And and would you encourage people, therefore, if they're they're listening and they're they're interested in getting into property, would you advise that they they contact you or, or drop you a message? Absolutely, and and as importantly, I won't ask them for a fee. I'm very happy <laughs> to speak to people. I'm very happy to um, have informal chats. I would say I'd love to have a coffee with people, but that might not be quite so straightforward at the moment. But um, we can have a virtual coffee and and chat through whatever I can do to help them. Um, and um, if I can't help, then I'm sure I'll be able to um, to speak with colleagues and friends and whatever it might be and make sure they're in touch with the right people. Amazing. And so we'll make sure that we link your social media in the in the show notes of this episode so people can get in touch if they want to. And to, to divert the conversation ever so slightly, in this podcast, we love talking about, about people's homes. It's, it's what people really want to listen to. They want to find out about the markets and they want to find about, about you and where you live as well. And as you said, you, you recently moved to Cambridge did you buy your own home or have you or is, is that something you're looking to do at the moment would you be able to tell us a little bit more about your home and your experience of possibly buying it absolutely so I uh, as I said during my first lockdown I was in London in a small one-bedroom flat um, and quite frankly it was it was pretty tricky to um, to do work my fiance is a, a junior doctor working all hours of the day and um, and sharing a one-bedroom flat when she was asleep next door wasn't that straightforward um, so we've moved out um, to Cambridge we're in a house now a bit more space um, I think everyone really is looking for somewhere with a little bit more space whether that's internally or externally um, but for me it's all about light and bright and good volumes it's not always easy to find um, but um, that's the sort of thing I like I'm definitely keeping my eyes peeled for the right property to buy um, it's just a question of, of finding the right one I, th I unfortunately I'm uh, whilst I love um, whilst I love property I'm I've sort of developed a, a fairly um, high-end taste um, having worked with these amazing properties around the world and I'm finding it difficult to to replicate with my own budget so um, we'll see but um, at the moment just looking and hoping to to find the right thing. <laughs> yeah that's definitely definitely the problem with working somewhere like Knight Frank is that you see these incredible places and then you're like oh maybe maybe they can't have this quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> we can't all have yeah, villas in, in Cannes. <laughs> I know as much as I <laughs> And you mentioned there that obviously being in a one bed flat during the first lockdown was, was as I can imagine, quite difficult. And then you were looking for, for more space and things like that. Is, is kind of that outside space, is having that, that little bit more, a more holistic almost lifestyle, is that something that's quite important to you? Is that something that you, you need almost to look after your, your mental health and make sure that you're, you're functioning properly? I think the outdoor space is important, but I don't think, and actually what I've realised and what I had realised when I was living in London is that London London as a city has so many green spaces that you could go out and run around and as, assuming streets are well lit and things like that it was possible to go out running and things like that um, 
obviously now with evenings um, coming in sooner and it getting a little bit darker, it'll be difficult to see. Uh, really for me, the main thing though, uh, and really it was for my mental health, was that separation of where I work and where I relax. Um, I'm fortunate now to, to be sitting in my um, spare bedroom slash workstation and um, being able to close the door in the evening and uh, reopen the door in the morning um, is I think a very important aspect. I'll, I'll check my my mobile every now and then but the most important thing I think is is being able to switch off because that switch off time is essential in in order to be able to perform at your best during your work hours um, I think there's a lot of people who say you've got to be working at all hours of the day um, yes that's great but you've just got to be wary and you've got to be cautious about your own mental health um, otherwise you you burn out or, or whatever else it might be yeah, I completely agree. And that, that separation is, is such an important point because I think especially with so many of us now working from home, it is so hard to find that balance between work and life. And, and even though you're going, if you're going from one room to the other in your own home, it's, it's quite easy to still have a, have a few looks at, those, at the emails and things as you go into the evening. And obviously that balance is kind of knocked off kilter a little bit. And for you, is, is looking after your mental health incredibly important to you? Is it something that you really focus on and, and prioritise? It's something that I always slightly took for granted. Uh, when I was at school and university, I was very active doing lots of sports and always keeping myself very busy. And I think when I entered the working world, um, I went from a very firm structure of you know work and, and play and, and suddenly went into a, a slightly different structure, um, essentially. I then needed to, to sort of Re reorganize myself in a way to to try and keep fit and active um, and everything else and and um, you know I ultimately took my eye off the ball in my earlier career um, and sort of didn't necessarily focus as much on my my own mental health as I would have liked to um, it did mean that for the first well year or two year of my career I was going through you know difficult times and it's not you know certainly not something that wasn't um wasn't sort of I wasn't unique in that but I felt like it was very difficult starting a career wanting to make a good impression um and then suddenly was overwhelmed by my own sort of what I felt were my own problems as well um so again that was that was a sort of accumulation of not necessarily being as patient as I wanted to be, wanting instant results, um, wanting to perform very well in an arena that actually I had a fairly limited experience, at least at the time in, um, and wasn't doing the other things around me that maybe I should have been. So I think now there's a general understanding of you know, putting yourself first. Of course, when you start a new job, you want to make a good impression. But the best way to make a good impression is, is to be yourself and to, to make sure you're looking after yourself because longevity is such an important aspect of, of every career. Um, so you know, it's not just about whether you can do a deal in the first five minutes. It's, it's 
how you can perform and work as a team and and ultimately you know prove yourself to be an asset and um it it was it was tough i had great support from knight frank um so i was very fortunate and um and it's still something that i i you know i need to keep my finger on the pulse and make sure that i'm looking after myself so um to date you know it was a great learning curve and um but i'm i'm very conscious and aware and and you know always very happy to to speak to colleagues and friends and family and everyone else who who might come to me and say jack did you feel like this jack did you feel like that and um and go through it with them so it's a nice it's a it's a nice thing to have gone through because i feel like now i understand it and i can help people in a way that perhaps before i might not have been able to so very interesting but um yeah i won't bore you with any more no no not at all and thank you so much for opening up about it because it is such an important conversation to be having especially at the moment when so many people are struggling with their mental health with everything that is going on in the world and i think it's such an important conversation to have especially as well regarding the early years of your career because as you said in those first few years you're so keen to impress and you're so keen to do as much as possible in the first year that you forget actually that it, as you said it's all about that longevity and sustainability and if you burn yourself out in the first six months you're not going to have a, a long and successful career because you won't have the momentum to keep yourself going absolutely and and i think you you come into this world into the real estate world and you look at your peers and you look up at at those that you aspire to be and it's so easy to forget that those people have been in the industry for 20 30 however many years they haven't just been there for for 24 48 months or whatever else it might be it takes years to um, to get to where you want to be so again that that element of patience is really important and being able to be in the moment do your best and and ultimately make sure you're prepared for that for the long run Mm, absolutely I, I couldn't agree more and I, I I mean I could talk about mental health for, for hours because I think it is such an important conversation but I think people hearing that especially people who are in those early stages of their career will really appreciate hearing that so thank you so much for talking about it and to to bring us back onto onto the property side of things what would you say has been your your most exciting or interesting or favorite property transaction or, or deal or experience to date what I love actually is that every transaction is completely different. Um, it's definitely not a sort of boilerplate exercise, you know, standard buyer, standard seller, standard property, and it's and that's it. It's all done. So everyone is is very different. Um, the uh, you know property transactions in France can take a long time, and actually it's not necessarily you know from offer to completion it's the time that buyers take to look for properties um, i was introduced to a, a good client of the buying solution uh, a couple of years ago and actually over a very long period worked very closely with them to help guide them not just on what area of france they wanted to be in but also what type of property they wanted and ultimately after having been in touch with them for 18 months was able to offer them guidance advice and ultimately point them towards what ended up really being one property um, and and helping them realize that actually that property was the perfect property for them um, it wasn't something that they had necessarily thought of at the beginning um, but that sort of education process and working with them um, and for them ultimately um, was was hugely valuable 
Mm, that's such a great story. And I think, and again, it links to so much of what you said in this conversation, which is about having those connections with people and, and having them have an experience rather than just seeing it as, as numbers. And, and looking at what you've got currently on the market at the moment, obviously with things are a little bit tricky, but is there any particular property that you'd like to promote or talk about that you've got in your, in your pipeline at the moment? Um, I, I would be crucified by <laughs> some of my clients if I hadn't mentioned their properties, but there are some that particularly stand out. Um, the Southwest um, as a market is a, of, of France is a market that holds great value and we have some great chateaus around there for around 1 million euros or thereabouts. It's quite remarkable how far your money goes there. Um, on the Côte d'Azur we have some great properties. Um, there is a chateau that's just come onto the market just north of Nice, um, originally from the 17th century. Um, it's probably one of the properties with the richest histories that certainly I've been aware of for some time. Um, it's belonged to barons and baronesses and it's been, it, it was once a, 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 a chapel and it's been, you know, it's, it, it's moved around so much. Um, it's just come onto the market um, and um, hopefully we will have some success over the coming months as people look for a retreat in the um, south of France. Mm, definitely. I can imagine a lot of people will now be going frantically onto the Night of Frank website trying to find it. Um, but we'll make I sure that so. we, we link it in, our, in the show notes this episode and I'm sure that we'll be able to find it on your, on your Instagram as well. So we begin to conclude every, uh, every podcast with a quick fire round. And the first question of which is city or country? Country. Classic or contemporary? Uh, classic with a contemporary twist. I think that's a cheat, but um, I'll, <laughs> I'll go classic. Everyone does it. <laughs> can or niece? Can. Not easy, but can. Cool or email? Cool, always. Office or working from home? Office. Swimming pool or tennis court? Uh, swimming pool. Instagram or LinkedIn? Um, I enjoy using Instagram more. But, um, but both are great. Excellent. And finally, a slightly tricky one, France or England? I, I couldn't get away with being your French advisor without saying <laughs> France, so I'll say France. <laughs> <laughs> sensible choice, sensible choice. And the final question that we ask everybody is, what does being a partner in property mean to you? I think being a partner in property is all about um, putting yourself in the shoes of your customers and your clients and really thinking how would I want to be treated and actually beyond that how can I surpass those expectations so being able to work seamlessly as if you were them and being able to give them really really honest advice even if that's not commercially for the company the best advice but being able to give them advice that you give to friends and family um, and anyone else. Brilliant. Jack, thank you so much. Not at all. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of At Home With. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love it if you shared this episode on social media, and please check out the show notes for more information. I'll be back next Wednesday with another exciting episode.